And good evening, we are live here at the One More Round Studios, Casey Just Clay with a full house, Damien St. Pierre, Richard Mott, Nick Bear, Mello at the controls. Um, we got a lot planned for you here today. We're going to talk the Mayweather-McGregor fight in the next segment. We've also got some high school football on tap that's going to be Friday night, some jamboree results. We're going to talk about some different things we're expecting. Also going to talk some WWE. There's a lot going on. Lesnar and Strowman is on tap. SmackDown has some things moving and shaking. Enzo Moore is on 205 Live. We're going to break down all that stuff. But we got to start the show because, fellas, we are recording on Wednesday night. The college football season started this past weekend, but let's be real. The actual season starts on uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow night, Ohio State's going to be taking on Indiana. It's sort of that opening night bash that they have to, to kick off every year. And then on Saturday, we're rocking and rolling with games up and down the schedule. Um, Alabama's going to be taking on Florida State. Florida's going to be taking on Michigan. But, of course, the game everyone locally is interested in, LSU and BYU. There was some uh, drama involving where that game was going to be played. Uh, Hurricane Harvey obviously did not allow it to be played in Houston where it was scheduled. It is now going to be in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Uh, Coach Ed Ogeron had his, uh, his fan show tonight, his radio show. Got a lot of questions and a lot of different comments from people. It sounds like the Tigers are ready to play. And more importantly, fellas, it sounds like the Tigers are anxious to play in New Orleans. A lot of guys on the team from that area. I think this may end up actually being a good thing. The Vegas line shifted when the game shifted from 14 to 16 points. So Las Vegas at least thinks that this is advantage Tigers. What do you all think about the matchup? I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be an excellent football game. Just kind of watching BYU over the the weekend. That you know they got to play that that first game against was it Portland or Portland State? Portland State. Either way, uh, you know we talked about last show how you could kind of maybe get the kinks out, and their defense is pretty stout. They got a, a, a nice defensive end that I don't know if he's gonna give Darius guys trouble, but. I don't know if we're going to better pound it, and you got to go long against BYU. You got to hit them deep, and I hope we could have enough consistency from the quarterback and our receivers to be able to do that. But you're talking about the move to New Orleans. Um, heard a soundbite from Darius Geis, and he is pumped up because he's you know a lot of players are from that area. A lot of and the drive from Baton Rouge is, I mean, it's it's not really that far. But you got to worry. I'll, I'll let him. I'll let him chime in before I start bashing New Orleans. Fellas, what are your thoughts as the game is now going to be in the Dome instead of in Houston? I think LSU just got lucky on that one. We have another home game, and it it moved from, from Houston to New Orleans, and a lot of those kids grew up playing in New Orleans High School around New Orleans in the state of Louisiana that all played their championships in New Orleans. So it's essentially a home game for us. And from what I saw about from BYU, I wasn't very impressed, and I, I think we're, we're, we're like I'm on the team. I, I see it as just LSU is just too strong for that team. Here's the question I have, and I guess we'll find out Saturday. Was that actually BYU we were watching on Saturday? Was it felt very vanilla? It felt very bland. It felt like they were kind of hiding some cards a little bit. They knew they had the game in the back. I think we're going to see a better BYU Saturday than what we saw this past Saturday against Portland State. It's all going to be about LSU's offense because the two defenses are going to they're, – they're really good on both sides, of the, on, on both ends of the field, I guess you could say. Um, Matt Canada is gonna. This, this is, will be. Excuse. Yeah, this will be kind of his his first go around, obviously, and he'll get to kind of maybe show a little bit of what he could do and hopefully spread that BYU defense out. 
like I said, the defensive end, the linebacker play, uh, just kind of reading a little bit this week on what to expect. A lot of reporters are saying that this may be one of the best linebacker cores that we're going to face all season. So I'm anxious to see what our offense can do against them. Uh, moving the game, I don't know if that affects LSU more or BYU more or the fans more. Uh, you know, New Orleans is not the most, is not the safest place in the world right now. And I don't know if you could get a bunch of people from Utah to want to go down there because Lord knows I don't want to be there. But at the same time, <laughs> uh, moving a game like that, they had, a, I don't know, was that a couple years ago with the South Carolina game that moved from Car- South Carolina to Baton Rouge? Sure. The people in the stadium, it, what do you guys think? Is it going to be a full house, being it's so close? But even when the game got moved to Tiger Stadium, it wasn't a, a full house, not even not even close. I think this is going to be. Um, the thing about that South Carolina game, it kind of got moved at sort of the last minute kind of thing. People had already made some weekend plans and everything. Everybody was waiting for LSU to be, you know, uh, playing this coming weekend. This is season open. I think it's going to be a full house. LSU sold their allotment of tickets, so that's twenty five grand right off the top. Um, BYU has not sold their allotment, but the the folks selling tickets for the game have said they've got a deadline, and once they don't reach that deadline, all those extra seats will go in the open market. I think we're going to see a sold out dome on Saturday. Yeah, Casey, I would like to be one of those guys. I'm definitely looking, uh, keeping my eye open for one of them tickets. Um, I, I'm looking for a steal right there. You would be looking for one of those tickets because we've been having a fishing trip planned for about a month now, and Mott's not going to come. <laughs> so here's a question I got for you all. Um, what happens if on Saturday LSU's offense against that good BYU defense looks flat? Let's say LSU wins 17-9, to and it's an ugly game. LSU's offense struggles. How much panic is there going to be? Because everybody is looking so much forward to Matt Canada being the guy and this offense being, you know, the next reincarnation of Texas Tech. What happens if it goes the other way and it looks ugly in that first game? You know, when you're hanging out in the wintertime and you got a little fire going and uh, somebody wants to really get it going and just throws a bunch of gasoline on that fire, that's what's gonna, that's what Baton Rouge is going to be like at a time like that. They are waiting. A lot of people are waiting to jump on Coach O just to – Look, give him a chance. Uh, people are going to look at BYU and kind of just say, you know, it's BYU. You should you should roll through these guys. I don't. I, last week I said fourteen points was was a bit less. Now uh, I just after seeing that defense play and after just reading a lot too. I guess I'm, I guess I'm just reading too much. You, we talked about that with the fight this weekend. Anytime that you're supposed to beat a team, you kind of got a little bit more pressure for to just to look the part. So. Uh, my expectations are slowly dwindling on a uh, on a blowout. Mott, uh, you've done some some looking into this LSU offense, and I know that we've talked about Matt Canada a lot. What are you expecting to see from those guys on Saturday? I expect Canada to come out fast. Um, he has, you know, same thing with Damien said. There's a lot of people out there doubting the decision made by Joe Oliva to bring Coach O in, um, and I think he's there to back up the head coach, and I think he's going to come out fast. Okay, so let me ask you this question. We talked about, you know, the expectations and whatnot and what to expect. I know we all have this this dream scenario of LSU coming out and firing the ball real real quick, you know, first possession. What happens if he runs a short side option? Oh, my God. I don't know the answer to that. I know what, what's going to be said in my living room. I know that. Um, I, I know if we were coaching, we would come out with the first play and run a short side, bo- short side option or a, uh, a toss, di- uh, toss yeah, dive. Toss dive. Yeah. And 
then after that, we would go ahead and, and pound it. Like, we, like, no, just just run our regular offense. So a little drama in, in LSU's camp is involving Darius Geis. Um, he's missed a little practice time. Now, he's been a full go so far this week. Had his wisdom teeth out, missed some time. Coach O has said this week, yeah, you know, he we think he's going to play. We're not sure if he's going to play. I mean, he's been a full go Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. He's going to play, right? I mean, I think that this is just kind of head games that Coach O is playing, right? Yeah, it, it has to be. There's no way he, he lets him sit, especially a game. You, you open in your season, this sets the tone for the rest of the season. There's no way you if, – if he's possibly – if he could possibly play, he's got to play. One guy who is not going to play, Arden Key, has been ruled out. He has still been participating in practice, still not getting contact yet. Modern Nick or whoever wants to take it, how big of an impact is this going to be on LSU's defense not having the All-American defensive end? Um. From what I understand, I mean, BYU is a pretty fast-paced offense. Um, and, yeah, I think it's going to be a huge impact. But, again, LSU has a pretty deep defensive unit, and I think they're going to be able to be able to hold their own against BYU's offense. The thing about losing Keith for the first game, I don't know how much he's been involved in practice with, you know, kind of the, the injury bug and what he's been going through. So I, the, I'm sure the defensive unit has had time to jail and, and get used to playing without him and have somebody in that spot. It's a little bit different from a guy going down maybe early in a game or, or the Wednesday before before the game. Now, Casey, you and I talked about this, and we have not brought this up at all. BYU's players are normally a little bit older. You think mm-hmm. that has any is that is that gonna is that gonna affect the game in any way? It scares the hell out of me, man. I'll be honest with you, it really does because any other year it wouldn't matter as much. But LSU starting four or five true freshman players are you know between Delpit at safety and Charles at right guard. They're playing some younger players. They lost a big senior group, lost some guys to the draft, and when you add in the fact that BYU's already had that one game to get some of the bugs out. LSU is going to be playing at home, which is good, but in some ways it maybe puts a little bit of extra pressure on your guys. That does kind of worry me a little bit, so much to the point where I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the first quarter we were looking at something like BYU 7, LSU 3 kind of thing. See, I, I could see that as well. I just uh, You get into game week, and, and every week before that I've been thinking, man, LSU, they're going to have a coming out part against BYU, but the more and more I, I see it and seeing BYU's defense last week, the offense, I don't think that's exactly what they're gonna do against LSU. You got to do a, you got to do obviously you got to attack a, a, a Portland State team better, uh, differently than an LSU team. But uh, let me ask Nick. Nick's being very quiet. All these people coming in from Utah after the game. Do you think they go straight back to their hotel room? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I, I, probably so. I mean, they don't seem like the big party type, and um. If, if they do, they're missing out. I mean, they have a good chance to get stabbed. Mormons in New Orleans. So. Let, let me tell you something. I spent the weekend in New Orleans, and I didn't want to, but I went. I was tell like, us your story. You've got a good old Saint story. It's not an old Saint story, okay. but you were at Old Saint, and something happened. Tell Listen, us about that. I'm not throwing Old Saint on the bus. Yeah, I, we I, love I, that. My guy Jay Hargrave. They they do a tremendous job of it. In fact, they got 54 beers on tap. Well, we went out a little bit early. My wife and I we. Just wanted to go walk on Bourbon Street because, I mean, uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon is probably the safest time to be on the street. Bourbon Street is under construction. There's a couple places at the beginning of Bourbon Street that you have about a three-foot area to walk in, and it's ca- it's not caged. <laughs> <laughs> fenced in. I guess it should be caged in, but uh, fenced in with a black tarp over it. You can't see much in front of you. That's going to be a dangerous place if it's packed like that. But uh, anyway, we ended up. Going to Old Saint, I wanted to check it out. I've, I've heard Jay Hargrave talk about it a, a ton on the radio and haven't had a chance to see it. But we walk out and the police cars and the ambulance start zooming down the street. That was a double stabbing two blocks away from Old That's Saint. That's always great. Yeah, so 
I was watching my back the rest of the time. Okay, fair enough. So shifting gears on a not related topic at all, <laughs> we uh we have a lot of great college football in week one. We've talked at length about LSU BYU. What are some other games you guys are excited about most importantly? And then let's segue straight into this. If we were axed right now, if we were in Las Vegas instead of here in Golden Meadow, we're putting some money on who's going to make the college football playoff. Who are some of the teams that you guys like, don't like, have as sleepers? What are some of y'all picks right now, preseason college football playoff picks? You pretty much have a playoff game going into week, well, I guess week one and a half, I guess you could call it, whatever. Um, The winner of Alabama-Florida State is going to be in the driver's seat. And I'll ask anybody this question. They could could, uh, chime in. The loser of that game, how affected are they after losing uh, a primetime matchup in the first week, really really the first week of the season? Does, does that affect your playoff, uh, I guess, implications? If it's Alabama, I'll say not at all because if you win the SEC, you're getting into the playoff no matter how many losses you have. But Florida State needs to win that game, and they need to look pretty good doing it. So I, I guess that would be my answer is it means more to Florida State than it does Alabama. Because Alabama's going to have more opportunities to make a statement later in the year. They're going to play, you know, LSU and, some, and Auburn and some other really good teams. The ACC's down. Clemson's not what they were last year. Florida State, this may be their only chance to make a statement. They need this game. Uh, this is the first game of the season. You lose that when you have a chance to roll off 11, 12 more wins in a row before you get in into any kind of playoff contention. If you're going to lose, this is the time to lose. If you're going to lose to any team, Alabama's the team you want to lose to. I don't see it hurting them that much. But, I mean, if you lose a couple more along the way, yeah, your season's done. You know, another big game this weekend, obviously, is uh, Michigan against Florida. Again, another neutral site game. That's, to me, that's the probably one of, that's the second most intriguing matchup of the, of the, of the week, obviously. I think it's going to be a little closer than Florida State-Alabama. That's, gonna, that's almost a toss-up matchup right now. I hate Florida. And I think that everyone in Louisiana sort of echoes that sentiment. They've got eight or nine guys that are suspended. I don't know how it's going to go. I think Florida, you know, for my disdain of their program, I think they are trending in the right direction. But, man, I got to tell you, I would love nothing more than to watch Michigan whoop up on those guys Saturday. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I would love to see it happen. I think that Michigan offense may get their stuff together. Uh, I know Florida got – Michigan – excuse me. Uh, Florida got their stuff together on both sides of the ball. Michigan is on the kind of that upswing. They're, uh, Harbaugh's doing a good job recruiting, getting the people in the right spot. I, that's going to be I'll, – I'll watch that game from uh, beginning to end. That's going to be one of, the, one of the few games that I do that because the other two I'll probably just kind of glance in and out at. Now, we got the appetizers last Saturday, just some kind of games that you kind of sweep under the rug. But there was one thing that caught my eye is I was down on Stanford. They beat the tar out of Rice on Saturday in Australia, 62-7. to They looked good offensively. My big concern with Stanford was, man, well, how are you going to replace Christian McCaffrey? They looked phenomenal. They, you know, they kind of relied on McCaffrey a little bit. He had to be the best receiver and the best runner on that team. Now they spread the ball out a little bit more. They looked really good. I don't know where it's going to go from here. They're on a bye this week after making the trip to Australia. But at least early on, man, they looked like they're going to be a force out there in the Pac-12. Is that one of your sleepers for the foot, for the playoffs? I think it is, yeah. I think that you know everybody's high on Washington, but I really like what I saw out of Stanford on Saturday. I'm going to have fun with this pick. Mott, who is your sleeper playoff pick? The Louisville Cardinals. Okay. Any reason why? Heisman Trophy winner. Okay. Very few words from my man Richard Mott. <laughs> 
Mod is not elaborating very much today. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness, I don't even know where else to go from You're here. Straight to the point. You asked me a question. You're not nervous about Jackson a little bit? LSU kind of exposed them a little bit. I don't think it's an issue. Okay. So Mod's going Louisville. Nick, do you have a sleeper? Yeah, I do. And it's South Florida. South, hey, I like that. Hey, they got Charlie Strong. We got Quentin Flowers. We. Again, we I, you I play for two teams. <laughs> they got Quentin Flowers, a quarterback, outstanding player. And if they run the table in the American Athletic Conference, they should be in that spot. They can set themselves up for a, a playoff shot. I like the South Florida pick. I'm not a big Charlie Strong guy. Um, but in that conference, maybe he can make some things happen. I like that pick. Quentin Flowers could play. He's probably the best player that not a lot of people have heard of. So I'm going to put everyone on the spot. What will be the national championship game this season, fellas? Uh, we may be watching it on uh, – when, when does Florida State Alabama play? Saturday, Saturday at 7. Okay, Saturday. I know they got some skipping games around. That may be – I mean, I guess that would be the, the uh, odds-on favorites. That's two of the better teams in, in the country that almost everybody's got in the playoffs. I'm going to be safe. I'm going to go with the safe pick. Ask me again next week. I might have a totally different answer. Mott? Uh, I'm going to say Alabama, Ohio State. Nick? I got Alabama, USC. Championship game. So, Mott, Louisville lose it in the first round of the playoffs? Definitely. Okay. Just making sure we we got it. I'm going to go Ohio State and USC. I think that Sam Darnold is really good, <laughs> and I think that Ohio State's got a lot back. I think that'll be your championship game. I'm not a big SEC guy this year, man. I think they're all going to beat each other up. Melo's over there waiting for us to say Ohio State and Michigan or some dumb something like that. Let me tell you guys another game. I, I know if, if anybody wants to play along, we are doing a one more round pick them for college football for the season, and we are all uh, participating in that. One game I had trouble picking was North Carolina State and South Carolina. Uh-oh. So did I. I, I, had, I, had a, I had a tough time picking that. Um, I think that's going to be – it might not be a very fun game to watch, but I think it's going to be a close encounter of one, the first kind. One game I didn't have any problem picking was uh, UCLA versus Texas A&M. Go Bruins. Okay, Josh Rosen and UCLA in the house. Interesting thing about that South Carolina game. Um, an analyst predicted that NC State would make the college football playoff, to which Louisville's color commentator for radio said, if NC State makes the college football playoff, he will eat a live animal on the air. Did you guys see that? <laughs> I did not, but I think that's a bet we need to make here. <laughs> so, Mott, if South Carolina <laughs> makes the college football playoff, what do we have to do? Um. Man, I don't know. It's a long shot, but uh, ask me again next week. I'm with Damien. Well, somebody has a husky. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll keep this moving along. <laughs> another, another interesting game this week is West Virginia and Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech is trotting out a redshirt freshman quarterback that's going to have to face, uh, I don't want to call him press Virginia because that's basketball, but always a, a fun offense to watch in West Virginia. That's going to be another close matchup. I like Justin Fuente, and in his second year at oh, Virginia Tech, I think that they're going to have an opportunity to win that game. I think they're on the rise. I think they're a sleeper in the ACC. So I'm going to go Virginia Tech, but I do think that's going to be a one hell of a ball game. Yeah, I think so. those two teams, They, I don't know how many times they've played, but it, it's been a number of times, and it's, it's, always, it's always a good game. So do we all agree LSU is going to beat BYU? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. Okay. Let's give a score. Okay. Um, let's see. 34... I don't think BYU's scoring. Uh, 34 to, to 7. I'm going to go with 52. Ooh. 13. LSU. Big Mad Canada guy over here, Mott. I'm going to say 27 10. Oh, Mott's close to me. I'm going to go 26 13. 
That's where I, that's where I feel we at. Bebe is putting that up in the first quarter, just so you know. I would like to see that. Okay, now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, okay, we talked about what happens if Matt Canada's offense looks like crap. What happens if they get 600 and something yards? How crazy is the state of Louisiana going to be? How fun chalk will the LSU fan be on Monday if their offense looks that good? Okay, so you ever had a little fire that you were had a, in the wintertime and you threw gasoline on it? That's how Baton Rouge is going to be. <laughs> so either way, there's a gasoline-filled fire. Let me tell you something. If LSU's offense looks that good, I know a place in LaRose where stuff will be thrown in a fire and anger at seeing that happen. I'm not going there. Win in LaRose. <laughs> Mott, how, how much of the pandemonium do you think we'll see? Because LSU fans are not level-headed. They're not going to just be like, ah, let's see a little more. We're living or dying by, by what happens on Saturday. No, I think uh, if they lose, again, all the haters are going to come out and can, you know, confirm what they've been telling us for the last however many months. And if they win, they're just going to say, oh, it was BYU. Um, it's, you know, it was it was a squash match anyway. I don't think it's going to be a win and loss. I think it's going to be an LSU win. No no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think it's going to be the way they do it because we're so used to – look, basically, Les Miles won games. Right. But it was the style and the fashion he did it in that had people in an uproar. Nichols playing tomorrow at John L. Guidry Stadium against McNeese. We talked to Rebo here on this show. We've talked about 4K and some of the guys that they have back. They're facing a very good opponent in the first game, an opponent that has waxed them the last two years. This is the only team that has blown Nichols out consistently over the last couple of years. Can they finally get over that hump and beat the Cowboys? I don't know. Uh, McNeese is, is is picked by the media to, to finish third in the conference. They're going to be tough. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, I hate to hate on local teams, but I just I don't think they'll win this game. I think it'll be close, and they'll make a they'll make a hell of a, a, F, a hell of a run at it. But if Coach Rebo could get into the fourth quarter and give themselves give themselves a chance to win the game. It'll, it'll be it'll be a mild upset, but I think McNeese has this. I'm hearing from people who know people who know people that Coach O's going to be at that game, watch his twin boys play for McNeese. I heard he was not originally scheduled to be there, but with the game being in New Orleans, it's eased his schedule a little bit. So if anybody wants to get a peek at Nichols, want to maybe get a chance to shake hands with the old ball coach from LSU now, that'll be a good opportunity to do so. Nichols games are always a lot of fun. There's always an opportunity to see some really good talent. Both teams are going to have it. I think that's going to be one heck of a game. Mod, I know you were telling me you were anxious to maybe go out to that ball game. What are some things you're looking to see tomorrow? Yeah, I, I definitely want to go see it tomorrow. Um, I don't know if it's just us talking to, you know, the uh, Nichols coaches and stuff, but I feel like there is a little buzz around 4K and, and, and Rebo this year. I think they really got a shot this year to, to beat McNeese for sure. You know, it was interesting, and we'll take our, our first break in a minute, but it was interesting is that when Rebo came on with us, he was very honest. He's like, look, they beat the snot out of us the last couple of years. This is a game that we want to go out and get. So I think Nichols is going to be motivated, man. I just don't know if it's going to be enough. Let's take our first break. When we get back, we're going to talk the Mayweather-McGregor fight, man. We've, uh, we're not the kind of guys that like to rub stuff in people's faces, but we've got a little bit of stuff coming here. You're listening to One More Round. We'll be right back after this. If 
you're in the market for a screen printed vinyl t-shirt, sports apparel, embroidery, or much more, please visit Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company in Golden Meadow. They have all your clothing needs. Go visit Nick and all the guys out there. They're going to do a wonderful job. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company out in Golden Meadow. They're open five days a week from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company. Give them a ring, 985-475-7700. And welcome back to one more round studios. Casey just Claire, Damien St. Pierre, Mott. Nick, in the next segment, we're going to have DJ Rhett. We're happy to announce that we're going to have him on. Right now, we're going to talk about some boxing. The uh, the intro with Mr. Perfect, I think, illustrates it beautifully. Throughout the history of this podcast, we've been talking about the Mayweather-McGregor fight. We have all been on the side of Mayweather. We've had to hear all the social media outlast, uh, or, or backlash. Oh, bro, he's going to get that one punch. He's going to get knocked out. We've had... Uh, different bets being made and different text uh, message boxes and everything like that. Lo and behold, McGregor had his 30 minutes of fame, and it was, coincidentally enough, exactly 30 minutes because he got knocked out in the 10th round. Fellas, as we were watching the fight, we all sort of had the oh-crap moment early when he came into the ring. He didn't look terrible early on. He won a round or two early. Then he kind of gassed out. Floyd Mayweather got his timing down, got some of his ring rust out. And in the middle rounds, he dominated, and in the late rounds, he finished. I think that was all part of a big, elaborate plan by Mayweather. Um, I was watching the fight in a, in a very packed upstairs of uh, Manning's restaurant, and a lot of McGregor fans and about four Mayweather fans, and I was probably the loudest dude in there. Uh, you know, everybody was talking at the beginning of the fight. You know, it's about to get uh, Mayweather's about to get knocked out. Well, look, McGregor probably punched for the first two minutes and 15 seconds of the round. And that showed me right there the dude's about to gas out. Because in an amateur fight, your first real amateur fight, you probably try you try to throw punches from bell to bell. And that looked like what he was going to do. The only thing that worried me during the fight was Mayweather giving up rounds at the beginning and maybe not having uh, the power from a 150-pound guy to knock out a 170-pound guy. The, the size difference was up. Uh, unreal when uh at the start of the fight but you can't throw punches for three minutes of every round it's just it's just not possible especially in a in a 12 round fight uh mayweather walked him down something we haven't seen in in more than a decade and towards the end of the fight it was it was a dominating performance by mayweather because after the fourth round mcgregor had his mouth open and look he was landing some shots but the fact that again a 150 pound fighter was just standing in front of a 170 pound grown man McGregor if you see his his feet his footwork was nice as far as moving around the ring his jab was nice but he had zero power on his shots and that's because he wasn't using his legs at all it was all arm punches it was just quick little shots and you could see the difference when Mayweather would hit him it was flush shots and Mayweather's like a surgeon out there he was hitting I don't know the punch stat numbers, but his punch, I know he was not out. I know McGregor out punched him, but right there is quality over quantity because it, Mayweather was very precise. And especially after that fourth round, Mayweather just kind of turned it up and his dad in the corner 
pretty much told him, look, you can end this fight whenever you want to. I'm glad he drew it out. I'm not happy with the stoppage at all because McGregor was done. And I don't think he had anything left in him besides if he made it through the round to sit there for a minute, he would have the thir- first 30 seconds of the round maybe to make things interesting. But after that, he was just getting demolished. Fellas, some that, final thoughts. I was kind of surprised by by the fight going so long. I was, you know, on this podcast, I said, I think it was a second round knockout, uh, second round TKO called. So, like, first couple of rounds, I'm like, what, what, what's he doing? What's he doing? Stop, you know, start throwing some punches. But uh, after a while, I kind of figured that he was just letting him gas himself out. But um, that, that uppercut McGregor landed kind of gave me a scare. And later in the fight, when he landed that body shot that was low, and McGregor, um, Mayweather kind of went down in the corner. Like, I had that butthole tightening moment at that point that I was like, oh, no. The biggest thing to me, walking, with two fighters walking into the ring was the size difference. Yeah. Mayweather naturally is 150 pounds, and he didn't gain much weight. And McGregor did a hell of a job losing weight and then putting it back on. He was physically stronger. But when you don't know how to box, you're just going to throw those arm shots. And, yeah, the uppercut was a well-placed shot, but it didn't have anything on it. So it, it, you could tell Mayweather, he didn't, I don't even know if he backed up after he, he took that shot, but that's the difference between an amateur and a professional. The fact that it went 10 rounds, there was a, there's a little story going around that Mayweather may or may have not uh, tried to put uh, half a million dollars in over, 10, uh, over nine and a half rounds for a stoppage. Uh, the story is that he went to place the money. The book didn't know if it was legal. So he, they didn't let him put it on. So I'm guessing he gave it to somebody else to go put it on. So he might have made another, uh, <laughs> might have made another million dollars out of the fight. You see all these stats. Oh well, McGregor landed more punches than Pacquiao did, than Shane Mosley did. Do you make anything of that? But I don't. I mean, those other fights were far closer than this one was. I think a lot of it was meaningless shots. Yeah, there's no doubt it was, and that was strategically planned for that and once Mayweather figured out that he had no legs in his punches that it was just arm punches he had he had no reason to be afraid of anything he was doing if you watch any Mayweather fight the biggest hit on him is that he doesn't come forward he doesn't punch he doesn't fight that he boxes which it's the sport is still called boxing so in that Pacquiao fight he was moving around the ring because Pacquiao was a, a, a damn good boxer one of the best of all time and he had power that he knew how to use McGregor was a, an amateur and for all the trash he talked about knocking somebody out he moved backwards a, uh, a whole lot yeah and um that's Mayweather style moving moving back like not running like people accuse him of but moving backwards pl- playing the defense and not getting hit and he, he totally switched that up to be the aggressor in this fight which surprised me and I, I guess kind of it should have shut up some of his uh, critics that he he went forward for the better part of the fight and just he took shots but he was landing shots he was taking shots to give shots this is not something that Mayweather usually does but he did it and he finished them all do we have to see any more of Floyd I mean I, I I left this fight thinking yeah he beat McGregor he proved us right but I left it also thinking this guy's not as good as he used to be kind of thing I think he has definitively lost a step he's 40 years old right I'm 34 and I've lost five steps so right. I can imagine I don't I'm sure I don't live the lifestyle he lives uh, in fact, I know I don't live the lifestyle he lives. He's done. You could tell him that was his swan song. He was done. The way he was acting, he was even nice to uh, Larry Merchant at the end of the fight. So he's done. He's, he's going to, from from the press conferences after, he's going to go ahead and go into the management and training side of boxing and trying to, to help the younger guys out. And that, That's the right thing to do. He, he left on a high note, and he could have left on his last fight a high note, but 
This was an event. I've not been this excited watching a professional boxing match in a long time. And uh, just it was a spectacle. People paid to see it. And it was good for the sport. Uh, left the MMA pundits, I guess, still with a, a, I don't know how, but I guess something to hang on to. A lot of people on Facebook, and listen, I trolled that from the end. As soon as referee Robert Bird waved his hands that he was stopping the fight, the trolling began, and I didn't stop for a full 24 hours. Just, these guys are just, these MMA guys are just holding on to for dear life now. Mike, give us something here. What were your thoughts as you were watching the fight? Uh, no, I think it, it definitely closes the door. Um, of the Floyd Mayweather saga, um, I think this saga? is definitely going to be the, the the final match we see uh, by Floyd Mayweather. Uh, Conor McGregor, I doubt he's well. I say I doubt, but he's never going to step foot in a boxing ring again. Um, and then I highly doubt he's going to go back to the UFC. I think we also discussed sure. through earlier podcasts that he may or may not be uh, in a deal with a uh, possible Triple H and WWE. Um, but yeah, I think that's definitely going to be the last we see of, of, of Floyd. You don't think he's going to box again? I think you say, I think he will. McGregor. McGregor or Floyd? McGregor. No, I don't think he's going to box again. I disagree. Yeah. I think that that 0-1 record is going to bother him. Right. I think he's going to box again. I just hope, listen, if, if obviously if you train and you get an experience, you got experience with one of the best fighters that ever lived. Don't go and try to fight one of these young bucks in a 10-round fight that 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 is just not 40 years old and not 20 pounds less than you because you're going to run into a buzzsaw. But go take, you know, yeah, go, yeah. go take a few fights, you know, if you, if you want to get if you would do if that's what you want to do in box, take a couple fights, get your get your get your ears wet or what is it, wet behind the ears? Yeah. What is that? It's your feet, it's your feet wet. wet. Feet wet. Whatever. Go get some experience, young man. You're all right. You're 29 years old. You fought a hell of a fight. There's some there's some scrubs you could beat. Just don't don't go in over your head before you're ready. And that's the thing. I think McGregor's ego is not gonna let him box these these uh you know like you said these chump guys. It's he's he's not gonna his ego is not gonna let him. He's gonna want to be in the ring with a name guy, and I just I, I don't see him doing it. So now, quote unquote, the real boxing match like we've been billing it here. That's the next thing on the agenda, Canelo and Triple G. Um, man, I got to tell you, I think we were wrong. I think that our big argument has always been, well, if you want to see you know, a circus, watch Floyd and McGregor. If you want to see a, you know, a real boxing match, watch Canelo and Triple G. This Canelo-Triple G fight is going to have to do a lot to entertain me more than the Floyd-McGregor fight did. I, I had it pegged wrong. I thought it would be a boring kind of McGregor looking foolish, Mayweather kind of toying with him. It was actually a pretty good action fight. And Mayweather did that by not boxing him. He went to fight. He he waited a couple of rounds and got McGregor winded like he knew he was going to do it. He brought the fight to him. And that's a credit to Mayweather, something we haven't seen in a long time. I have no idea. And I've said this many times here. I have no idea who's going to win out of Canelo and Triple G. Do you guys have any leans at all? Uh, I think uh, my my mind changes daily on this. But uh, I'm thinking uh, Triple G's going to win. Um, I just, he has so much that, I don't know, potential that, I mean, we've seen a lot of Canelo Alvarez, but I, I, I want to see Triple G win. I want to see him take over. He's the new guy. But he's older than Canelo, though. That that worries But he's me. he's just coming up, like, not just coming up, but, like, major on the scene. I, I could go, I could get you there. Now, the, the one concern I would have from Triple G's perspective is when Canelo fought Floyd, Canelo was spooked early 
and late he was the better fighter. Rounds 9 through 12, if that fight goes 15 rounds, we may have a different outcome. I'm, I'm a Canelo guy. I, I've, I have been, and the only fight that I didn't pick him to win was that Mayweather fight. And, uh, he's big. He's strong. He knows how to cut weight. He's got some power, and he could take a shot. I, I think it's it's prime time upset for, for Triple G. I don't even know if that would be an upset. I just think it's Triple G. He, he, I don't think he could stand there for that long and try to dish out the punishment he does for that amount of time. Is there any, like, Vegas lines on this yet? It's like, about even. Yeah. They, they feel the same way that we do. It's about even. Is this a must-win for both guys? Canelo already has the loss. Triple, Triple G, I believe, is undefeated. I think that's yeah, the undefeated. mystique with Triple G that I was talking about, the undefeated record. Canelo already, already has that loss. So but it, it is to Mayweather. It's, yeah. Triple G looked sloppy his last time out. This is the only time that I've seen him look beatable. He looked beatable. Was he looking ahead, knowing that his next fight was the big money fight? I don't know. I guess we're going to have to find out. But I really don't. I could see this going any number of ways, man. And that's the intrigue of it is I could, if you told me right now, Triple G knocks him out in three rounds, I wouldn't be surprised. If you told me right now, Triple G wins a decision, I wouldn't be surprised. If you told me Canelo knocks out Triple G, I wouldn't be surprised. Any outcome wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Casey. I'm, I'm a... I'm a disagree with with Nick on it. Um, I'm with Damian. I am a Canelo guy. I want to see Canelo win. Although Triple G, he does have that knockout power. I believe he has 33 knockouts in his 37 wins. Um, he's definitely he's definitely the the one guy to beat if if you Canelo Alvarez. But who who's fought the better level of competition? I mean, oh no doubt Canelo. Canelo. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a no doubt. Is the fight gonna is the stage gonna be too big for Triple G? Maybe, maybe it will be. Look. Early in that Mayweather fight, Canelo looks spooked. You know, so it does take a little while to get used to that. Um, so if, if Floyd is now out of the picture, who's the next guy? Is is it the winner of this fight here? Is it Terrence Crawford? Is it someone else? Who's Crawford. the next guy? I think it's the winner of this fight. This is this is a major fight. It might not be a major fight on like pop pop culture scene, but in boxing, this is as good as it's gonna get. And whoever wins this is the king, right? Now. You think you'd think that those guys could? Well, I don't know what the weights and everything are, but Terrence Crawford looked really freaking yeah, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Casey. I, I know these two guys are. I mean, they're really good, um, but I don't even think Canelo is is up there with with Crawford. I think Crawford is definitely the pound for pound best. Now, here's my seen. question about Crawford. And, and look, I, I'm with you. I think that Crawford right now is probably the best. Can he win when he's not fighting in the cornfields out in Nebraska? Can he win in a casino in Las Vegas? or in Atlantic City or whatever it may be, I would like to see how he responds when he's not in his hometown. Y'all are all sleeping on the last Olympic gold medalist from the United States is Andre Ward. That's He's the best pound-for-pound fight in the world until somebody else tells me, until somebody beats him. Now, who's the guy that Bob Arum said, oh, he's the best thing since Muhammad Ali? Lamachenko. Lamachenko. Does anybody put any stock into him? I Ring think Mag- he's up there, but not Ring- the best. Ring Magazine has him listed as fifth. I think Teddy Atlas has him Second or third, uh, either flip flop with Terrence Crawford and uh, Andre Ward as being being number one. I don't understand how anyone could say that boxing is on a decline after hearing some of those names. Those are all incredible fighters. The Mayweather McGregor fight in excess of six million pay per view buys. It's a new record, breaking Mayweather's old record. People like to say that the sport's on the downswing, but I don't think it actually is. I think it's actually better now than it was a decade ago. 
it, it they don't have the names maybe as much, but I think the quality of fights and the quality of fighters are still there. It's just the marketing is, is just a little bit different because it's not as mainstream of a sport. But a fight that's being talked about is a guy we just talked about, Lomachenko against the Cuban uh, uh, Rigondeau is the way <laughs> it's spelled or it's it's pronounced. And that's a fight that, that may be signed. And that, that's Ring Magazine has uh, that's both five and six. That's another primetime matchup for boxing. And I'm sure. I don't know if that's a fight ESPN is going to be able to carry. That's going to be a pay-per-view, but ESPN is doing a good job of marketing the free fights. They've got a new deal that they just signed. They're going to continue to bring that to the fans, and I think that that's a really good thing for the sport. Is And it is another thing. It's a small thing, but it was something that, that was w- worth mentioning. Is ESPN also has a deal with these pay-per-view companies where before, you remember when we were kids, they would show highlights of the pay-per-view. It would be still pictures. Now they got a new deal where they could show you highlights right away, right after the decision went went down between Mayweather and McGregor. They were actually showing the you know the last seconds of the fight. I think that's pretty important too. Yeah, that's got to be the way to go. That that's what every other sport does. If you on ESPN showing live highlights, that makes you a legit sport. Right? That's just the way it is. No doubt. Let's take our next commercial break. When we get back, we're going to talk to DJ Rhett, who's going to have some interesting things to say. Anybody who does not know who he is, check him out on Facebook. We'll be right back. You're listening to Morning. Hey, bro, let's go fishing. And Steve, we can't. That storm cracked all my lines and sunk my shallow. Shall what are we gonna do? And what about Max? Let's call Max him. Max? Yeah, to Gibson. Don't be like those Kuyans. Visit Max Plays on Send the Gang Online today at www.fishtidewater.com. That's Tidewater Charters at www.fishtidewater.com. One more round, 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 Let's put another tomato in the gumbo. Tomato in the gumbo. <laughs> and welcome back to One More Round Studios. Casey Gisclair here. And on the phone lines, we have a really special guest, DJ Rhett. You guys have probably seen him on uh, Facebook and on the internet. He makes a lot of really cool videos and everything like that. Man, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing just fine. And hey, look, man, the first question I want to ask you right out the gate is, how did this all start, man? Like, is this something that, that you've been doing for a while? Is this an idea that you have with your buddies? I mean, the videos are funny, and you're making a lot of people laugh around the country at this point. How did it all start? Well, um, I've actually had a knack for doing uh, a lot of video and audio dubbing since I was since I was little, actually. I was like, when I, when I was 10 years old, you know, my brothers would ask for, uh, connect four or battleship and stuff like that i asked for a video camera and that's what i got so santa brought me a video camera and cool i went every which way i can go with this video camera filming bad weather filming me being the meteorologist doing just all kind of corny and goofy stuff and um as i got older i started getting a little better at it um 
Uh, I took a couple of classes on it in college, and um, I actually wanted to go into this profession, you know, doing uh, producing movies and being a radio personality or uh, some type of VJ on, you know, MTV. I just wanted I wanted to use my personality in front of the camera, behind the camera, in the editing uh, room, and all of that stuff. But uh, you know, I punched out a couple of kids. Reality set in, and I'm like, I can't really do this uh, on a full time basis. I got to get a get a real job, you know. So, um, and, and it just it just blossomed from there. I mean, now that I now that I have uh, I'm working with a company called Kid Energy USA, and we do a lot of uh, outreach programs for kids. We have video equipment, audio equipment, and we just the guys that I work with, uh, my graphics designer and my music composer. We just, you know, on a spare time, we walk in there and we just do it. And the first one we did was Forrest, Forrest Gump. We did Norris Lump <laughs> and just put a Cajun spin on it. And we had 250,000 views and we said, man, we got something here. So we uh, we started doing it. Now, I've done other videos, you know, just like, you know, Snapchat filters and, you know, just random silliness before. But this kind of caught um, and... Hence the y'all catching thing. So, <laughs> but that—that's it. I mean, we just—it uh, started out as a joke, and when we got two hundred and fifty thousand views on our first video, we said, "Man, we got something. Yeah, let's do another one." And it just kept the demand kept getting bigger and bigger. So we kind of challenging ourselves to do one a week. So um, I'm sure y'all watched the one just recently with the uh, Macho Man yeah. Randy Savage. <laughs> not brogan we just we did that yesterday it took us like 20 minutes to do that one we just went in the studio knocked it out and we posted it tonight and it's uh um, i laugh at it when I <laughs> it's so ridiculously funny but uh but yeah that's how it started and so uh we, we hope to keep this thing rolling you know and maybe uh maybe blow it into something uh you know god knows how big it can get so look we got a couple people here and uh look we're all big fans i don't know if if an hour goes by we don't quote a dj red video but i got a question do you do all the voices no i do uh i do one voice and um the the other guy that does it we call him stick his name is uh josh mount and he has that high pitch voice he, <laughs> he Hulk Hogan did, voice. so the latest one he did hulk hogan yeah he and he he kind of knows what to do, but he'll like look to us for God and it's like what to say, what to say. So we tell him what to say, and he just puts his own little spin on it. And let me tell you, it's like without him, I don't think it would be as funny um, because he's got that. He's just got that high pitched voice, and it's just, it's hilarious. So he does he does like the crazy Cajun parts and the girl parts. And I do everything else. So, who, who, who did um, the, the uh, Macho Man? I did the Macho Man. That was that was one point, Macho Man. Who did the uh, crushed up Molly with a splash of booms? That's 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 Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's stupid. And he, we just think of random stupidness, like just whatever comes to mind. I'm like, I'm like that doesn't make any sense. And uh, <laughs> and he says, I don't care. It's funny, you know. And I said, Yeah, it is funny. So. We just go with it. Some of, half of the stuff we do doesn't make sense, but it's funny, you know. So, uh, yeah. So we actually right here in the studio uh, at the Tomato Gumbo Home in Golden Meadow. <laughs> so, uh-huh. one question I want to ask is: You mentioned MTV earlier. Um, any update on that deal you got going on with them? Yeah. The um, actually the. Uh, 
the first episode of Clickbait is going to feature uh, one of my uh, lawnmower lip sync videos. I think it's the one with the '90s um, flashback. I did I did a playlist of '90s, just you know, strolling around, cutting the grass, and uh, with my beats on, and just um, lip syncing to it. Well, <clears throat> I, I was getting a lot of hits on that, and then. Uh, Meeting House Studios out of New York, who actually produces um, shows for MTV, Nickelodeon, the Oxygen Channel, they reached out to me and said, hey, we're doing this new viral video uh, music show called Clickbait, and uh, we, we, we've been watching some of your videos, and we, you know, we'd like to license some of your videos, pay you to, to make a few, and we'll put it on the show. And I said, you're going to pay me? to drink beer and ride around a lawnmower. It's the dream. Where do I sign? You know, so uh, I actually got uh, my first check in the mail last week uh, for uh, for one of the videos, and I was like, wow, I mean, I'm going to do as many as y'all want. So uh, it's actually supposed to, the first episode's supposed, uh, supposed to air in October. I'm not sure the exact date they're going to send it to me, but it's in October. So. Hey, winning LaRose. <laughs> winning LaRose. <laughs> hey, Red, Nick Aver here. Um, that last video you put up with the Macho Man and um, Hulk Hogan. Um, Ooh, okay, yeah. <laughs> the day I contacted you to come on this show, we um, we were talking in a text just between us, us five in, in here, and one thing Casey brought up was that, that DJ Red should take the old WWE 80 stuff and just dub over the voices of like like prime time and and uh, Saturday Night's main event, and yeah. we came in here Nailed today. It. We came in here today, and you like we our minds were blown. We we're like, okay, who told him? <laughs> somebody somebody told him that. But that stuff was epic. One thing I request oh, from you: old school dude, WWE yeah. Survivor Series intros. Survivor Series. Oh man, those are gold. 1998 especially. <laughs> we could do. Uh... Uh, we can do slump, SummerSlam. We can do uh, we can do a bunch of them. We just have to find out how to uh, throw a Cajun twist on it. So Survivor <laughs> Series, we can do uh, I don't know um, Savoir Series or something like that. I don't know. I'm just kind of <laughs> ad libbing here. But we do. I mean, we do. When we go in there, we just pick random random scenes, and we're like we'll Google like top epic ten scenes of all time. And we'll look at them and be like, oh, that's good, that's good. Sometimes we'll go in there, we'll do one, and if we don't laugh, if we don't laugh at it, we don't post it. So we got a couple of them on the shelf that we didn't even release that we didn't find was funny. If we don't roll down on the floor laughing, we don't release it. I hear now, you. <laughs> most of them, I mean, if we put them out there, people will say, man, that's the best one yet, because everybody always says that's the best one yet, that's the best one yet. So everybody has different tastes, different styles. Our least the the, one, the feedback that I got the most our least favorite one was Friday that we did with uh, Chris Tucker mm. and uh, that was I like agree. two weeks ago. Yeah, Vendredi. We did that <laughs> one and <laughs> we, did, we did that one and that one's got like 130,000 views but people were like just on the street saying, man, I didn't, I didn't enjoy that one. I, didn't. I said, well, sometimes we just go in there and we, we ad-lib and we throw one together because we got, I mean, we got our normal jobs we got to do and then we got to get back to our regular lives. We only got a certain amount of time to do these things. But uh, based on the views, our uh, Norris Lump Chaw one is the is the least favorite one because it had the least amount of views on it. So, but we're selling a whole bunch of Chaw shirts, so it's, it just depends, <laughs> sure. man. It's like uh, people have their favorite, and 
we might eventually do like a, a vault series where we just release the, the vault stuff that we just put in on the shelf. I mean, we did stuff to the Sixth Sense. We did stuff to the to Grease. I mean, we we, we got a bunch of them. So um, we're going to continue to get better and better at them. But we try to outdo ourselves. Every, I don't know how we're going to top this Hulk Hogan and Macho Man one. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I hear you. Hey, man, let me ask you a question. How much yeah. scripting is involved? Do you guys plan out what you're saying, or are you just winging it out there whenever you're we live? We wing it. We wing Dang. everything. We go in... We don't script anything out. We walk in there, and we just watch the scene, and we just we feel what's going on in the scene, and we're like, hey, maybe we should do this. Like the, um, for example, the um, the few good Cajuns when we did a few good men with the potato salad. I said <laughs> they were arguing back and forth, and I was like, what do people argue about? And right around that time, it was. Um, when we released it, it was, uh, I think it was Easter, right around when we released that. And I was like, man, we had a conversation on, uh, at the family gathering of, man, you can't reheat the potato salad. It's going to, and that's always, uh, it's not at my house, just at my house or probably y'all. It's at every South Louisiana <laughs> house during the holidays. Yep. You got You can't reheat the potato salad. You got to eat that coal. You got, you can only eat it warm when it's right out of the pot. You can, you know, it's just, that's a conversation. So I was like, we need to do that. And uh, me and Stick went back and forth at it in the studio. And the guy, Aaron Goforth, the guy that's our music producer, he he's from California. And he's like, that's not funny to me. And I said, because you're from California. It doesn't make sense to you. Like, so when we posted it, it went crazy. And they were like, people, it, it opened up a whole Pandora's box of can you reheat or can you not reheat. So we made shirts. <laughs> You know, check yes or no. Do you reheat it or you don't? And I mean, we sold I think thirty shirts. You know, just I mean, it's it's hilarious. It's fun. We're just trying to we're just trying to tap into every Cajun situation and just exploit it like through the roof. Like just make it like totally absurd. So uh, and it's working. So um, so like the uh, like the crawfish ball (laughs) one that we just did. I mean, it's Saturday night main event. Every Saturday night during Lent, you're going to have a crawfish ball. So we're like, let's do that, you know. And, you know, the whole hand thing we're watching is like, like he's got spice on his hand. He don't want to touch the other guy's hand. We just went with it, and it just it turns into something magical, you know. So Man, that's it, stupid. It, it's a lot. <laughs> I got a question. You talk about the feedback you get from the videos. Is it a little different going out in public now? I know you do a lot of Snapchats and whatnot, and people kind of see your face and you're a recognizable figure. Is it different going out in public? Oh, yeah. It's very different. Um, I'll walk around, and uh, I'll hear, uh, Up the bye, Redbird. <laughs> <laughs> hear, you, know, um, you know, may you reheated it? Like, I'll hear stuff like that, and I'm like, this is crazy. And then, um, you know, people will just come up to me and say, I know this is crazy. Um, and you might think this is a little weird, but can I take a picture with you? My son loves you and blah, blah. No, you love me too. It's okay. You can, <laughs> you can, you can take a picture with me. So it, it's funny. I've been taking a lot of selfies with different people. Uh, in fact, my wife and I went to uh, California a couple of weeks ago, and I was in the airport, and I could hear somebody behind me in line while we were boarding the plane. They said, yeah, did you see the notebook one? Did you see the notebook? <laughs> and the Sandlot's my favorite one. Sandlot's and then, really good. so I turned around and I looked, and they went, 
it is you. Like, that's why we were talking about it. <laughs> it's crazy. But, I mean, look, I embrace it. And I'm not going to be one of these guys that are like, uh, you know, whatever. You know, it, without all these people liking and sharing the stuff, it wouldn't be what it is. So, you know, snap away, take pictures. I mean, I, I'd be lying to you if saying if I didn't like, you know, that I didn't like it. I love it, you know. So, without the fans, I'm nothing. So. All right, Red, switching gears here a little bit. Uh, we all kind of made our predictions earlier. Uh, we know you're a local Louisiana here. Uh, what you think about LSU BYU this year? Oh, oh, on Saturday? Yeah, on Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, LSU is gonna beat the crap out of. Them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's uh, uh, everything that I've seen so far. Uh, BYU, they they kind of just. I mean, they rebuild and they switching more to try. They're trying to go more uh, defense than they were offense. I mean, they lost a lot of players. LSU just, I mean, they're always going to have a stout defense. And, I mean, they just, I mean, they're going to kill them. So. And, you know, God bless those guys coming over here because of all the devastation that's been going on in Texas. My heart goes out to them. And, uh, you know, just get away from all that mess. Come to New Orleans and have a good time, even though they're going to get beat down. Have a good time. Have a couple of beers and some crawdads and some good food and get away from all that mess over there because – Honestly, we got to return the favor to them because they they did it for us for Katrina. So you know, y'all come on over here. So enjoy yourself. So. Uh, DJ Red, you can't possibly be more Cajun than Coach O, right? Not even no. not even in the parody form. <laughs> no. In fact, in fact, we did a. Uh, I'll give you a little secret, something from uh -oh. the vault. We did a LSU Alabama dub already, uh -oh. and it's it's ready to go. But I'm, I'll give you a hint. It's. Uh, it has to do with Tombstone, the Western movie Tombstone. Uh, Coach Joe is going to be Val Kilmer, um, Doc Holliday, <laughs> and Johnny Ringo is going to be Nick Saban. So it's, dude, it's hilarious. So it's done. It's on the shelf. It's waiting. So I did Coach Joe, and they got they don't. <laughs> <laughs> we got a great defense. We got to do it. Yeah. Like, just, I mean, that guy. I don't see how he could talk at the end of the game, so <laughs> it's crazy. All right, Red, we got a question come in from one of our fans, uh, Big in Fouchon. He wants to mm -hmm. know, in the Sandlot video, are Duplantis and Porsche actual names of yeah. South Tim South Terrebonne baseball players you knew? And <laughs> if you had the first pick in your fantasy football draft, who would you go with? <laughs> All right. Um, the Planets and Porche, I went to high school with a lot of the Planets and Porche. If they were on the baseball team, I have no clue. Uh, I wasn't really a baseball guy. I was more of a, a, a soccer guy because I played soccer in oh, high yeah. school. However, I did have friends with last name of Porche and the Planets. Um, so that's where we got those names from. And we always try to drop in those dubs. We always try to drop, you know, a Cajun name or a down to buy a name or down to buy a business or something we always try to drop that because the more local it is the more people can relate to it and the more popular it is and uh fantasy football i just did uh two two drafts this past two weeks um i didn't have the luxury of picking first but if i did i would have picked either david johnson or uh levion bell that would have been my picks. I was hoping that you would have said Bobby Abear. 
<laughs> no, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that dude don't shut up. <laughs> we know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, listen. It's all about the uh, the turnover differentiation ratio. I have, not, I have it's not. always about that, okay? If you end up plus three or plus two, plus four on the turnover difference, you nine times out of ten you're gonna win that game. I'm telling you, that's that's all he says. <laughs> Everything he says is about the turnover differentiation. So, yeah. my, my man, we no. could do this all night with you, but we're gonna end on a very high note. There, we want to thank you so much for the time, man. It's not a problem, man. Anytime, and uh, who that? And go LSU. And we're praying for the guys in Houston. Uh, y'all be safe out there. And if y'all need anything else, give me a holler. Y'all. Continue to watch, like, share the page. Uh, love you guys, and thank y'all so much. There we go. Thank you so much for the time, my man. All right, bud. That is DJ Rhett uh, joining us. Man, I don't know that we're going to do a better interview than that. That was a whole heck of a lot of fun. I liked uh, the ability to do impressions just on the spot like that. We got a Coach O. We got a Bobby Bear. That was uh, that was pretty fun. I think the, the listeners are really going to enjoy that. Hey, we got some hot scoop on the Tombstone uh, LSU-Alabama video. Fellas, uh, well, Nick, kudos to you for lining that up for us. Uh, DJ Red's a soccer guy, man. Does that make hey, you like him a little more? Hey, that's the one thing that caught my eye when we were texting back and forth, trying to get him on the show. He said he had soccer practice. I was like, hey, I like this guy. I tried to get him to do a, a dub of the Ladybugs with Ronnie Dangerfield. Hopefully that comes out soon. Hit, hit. The whole wrestling thing really did blow our minds. I, I promise you, I'll put screenshots of the damn text if you guys want to see it. We were talking. 1980s WWE promos. Then we show up here today. I thought they were joking. They said, man, he did it. He put it. Sure enough, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. It's a great video. Check it out. We're definitely very grateful that he joined us today. I hope he I hope he would be, uh, I guess, pleased that most of his videos we use in some of our intros. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to go back and listen to some of our, uh, our, pod, our archive uh, podcast shows. There we go. So let's take our next break. You're listening to one more round. We'll be right back after this. If you're in the market for a screen-printed vinyl t-shirt, sports apparel, embroidery, or much more, please visit Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company in Golden Meadow. They have all your clothing needs. Go visit Nick and all the guys out there. They're going to do a wonderful job. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company out in Golden Meadow. They're open five days a week from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company. Give them a ring, 985-475-7700. And welcome back to one more round. Casey just played here with the fellas. We want to thank DJ Red. That was one hell of an interview. Um, we'd be remiss if we did not talk some prep football. The season is starting on Friday night. I had an opportunity to go to the Jamboree, the Thibodeau Jamboree. Saw two really good games. South Lafouche beating the Tar out of White Castle, quite frankly. Then an upset Central Lafouche beat Thibodeau in the second half of that Jamboree. Um, I think that this, you know, all the coaches every year say this, but I think this year it actually holds true. 
every local district's wide open. I think 4A is wide open. 5A, the River Schools are still, you know, the top dogs, but Central Lafouche did better than I thought they would at the Jamboree. Thibodeau's got a lot of, you know, gifted players. I truly think that we're going to see some results on Friday nights this fall that we're all going to kind of look at and be like, I don't know where the hell that just came from. Yeah, a couple that Central and Thibodeau game, uh, the score, I haven't I got – I wasn't there to see the game, but it was a little closer than I expected. Everybody was kind of anointing Thibodeau as one of the top teams in, or the top team in the parish, and then Central kind of sweeping them under the rug. But just uh, reading over a few things, David Robinson looks like he was impressed with a, a nine-yard touchdown reception and returned a kickoff for 90 yards. Hey, look, you come on the show, you get – or you almost come on the show and you, you show out in your first game. David Robinson followed that up in in the scrimmage. He had two interceptions and also a long reception for a touchdown. So you could see the blueprint right away, returning kicks, intercepting passes, catching long passes. He plays quarterback. They need to keep him upright. Pondexter is out for the season with an ACL injury. The Trojans have to keep Robinson upright. He's going to be doing a little bit of everything for them this year. All right, that's enough Central LaFouche talk. Let's go, let's get the solid food. Casey, give us a few things that you saw Friday night that uh, that made you excited about the Tarpons football season. A lot of guys get the ball. Bayou will either be running it, handing it to Allen, handing it to Galjor, handing it to Jelby Sheremy. They've got a lot of different weapons, and I like the way that their offense is structured in that when you think something's coming, they're going to hit you with something else. A lot of swing passes and not necessarily trick plays, but just misdirection plays. I liked the structure. And look, we Coach Forsythe's 26 years old. You would expect some hiccups, some delay game penalties, some pre-snap penalties. None of that in the Jamboree. They were very organized, and that was good to see. Okay, so you gave us a couple things there on the offense. Are you, uh, am, I, am I getting a little concerned? What no, no, okay, okay. no, not at all. How did our defense look? The secondary had, had some problems. They gave up two long passing plays. Um, up front, I think they're stout. They, they, they pressured the quarterback very well. Um, I think offensively is where their bread and butter is going to be. They're going to score a lot of points. But I'm not necessarily overly concerned about the defense. I think that they're going to get a few stops, force some turnovers. They forced three turnovers in the Jamboree. And I think that you know they're going to be an offensive-minded team, but they're going to have an opportunistic defense as well. I got to, uh, got to listen to the radio a little bit. I heard uh, DeMarcus Kane with a pick yeah. six, one of my old AAU ball players. So uh, you got to see Thibodeau as well. We talked a little bit, if you follow us on Twitter, about the Thibodeau quarterback, um, Mitchell, I believe, the last name. real deal. Number one, they uh, compare him to Cam Newton. Uh, I don't know if it's the number or his playing style whatnot. What are we going to see Friday, uh, come Friday night? Oh, no, excuse me. I'm, I'm totally off. That's two different games. But tell us a little bit about that quarterback. Well, Friday night, Thibodeau's playing Vanderbilt. That's going to be one hell of a game. Probably the, the two of the better quarterbacks in the area uh, between he and, and Robinson over with the Terriers. No, here's the thing about Thibodeau. Um, Coach Dugas coaches the Jamboree like it's a Jamboree. They were going for it almost every fourth down. Their punter was injured. They were saying, hey, we're just not going to punt it anymore. If they would have had they, – they set themselves up for some bad situations by some of their decisions that we would never see in a regular season game. I'm not making excuses at all, but – you do put a little bit of an asterisk there. Look, this is the same Thibodeau team that also lost to Assumption last year in the Jamboree for some of the same reasons. They have a tendency to not necessarily throw the game, but to do some things that you wouldn't see them do in an actual game. And look, that's what the Jamboree's for. Work those kinks out, get those guys some 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 time uh, that maybe wouldn't not maybe not normally see the field on a Friday night. 
maybe get them a little uh, a little confidence. So you speak about confidence here. Salafu's got a tough one on Friday night coming to Galliano. They always tough. De La Salle. They haven't talked about earlier. They haven't lost a game in three in a regular season game in three seasons. What do we expect on a Friday night? A good team, a very physical team, a, a very well disciplined team. Um, there's a lot of concern around Louisiana right now because, quite frankly, with the weather, teams have not been able to practice outside as much as they would have liked. De La Salle's not going to have any of those fundamental problems. They're going to be ready to roll. This is a dome-tested team. They've made it to state championship games. I think they actually have lost in the last few of them, but they've been there. And we're going to get a good measuring stick right away. Look, South LaFouche scheduled this game because it's a good power points game. You're going to be facing an opponent that you know is going to get eight or nine wins at the minimum. Um, I just want everybody to know that if this game goes south and it ends up being De La Salle winning by you know a couple scores or whatever, don't panic, don't freak out. This is going to be the best team they're going to face all year long. So should be a good game on uh, come Friday night and have everybody out there, especially for the opening night. The weather should be a little bit better uh, than we've seen this week. So I, I guess it can't possibly get worse. You can listen to that game on 100. 100.3 FM with Casey and Ken on the call. Casey, tell us a little bit. We're going to throw a little shout-out to our boy Truck on the video side that he's providing this season. Dude, this is this is really cool. Um, you could watch the game live as it is being played on Friday night. You go to the ESPN New Orleans Facebook page, and they'll have a live Facebook live stream. It's a high-quality video. You'll be able to hear the audio on top of it. So, you know, the, the motivation behind this from what Truck was telling me is a lot of people in the area work offshore. You know, they're on rigs or on boats or wherever it may be. Can't go every Friday night. And Truck, quite frankly, said, you know, look, I got tired of hearing that. You know, hey, I can't watch my, my boy play his senior year or whatever it may be. Now you can. So all 10 regular season games and the Jamboree as well are going to be videoed. You'll be able to watch it live. And then the best part about it is, let's say you got a wedding that Friday night. You can't watch it live. It archives. It stays on YouTube. You can watch it anytime you want. So you're telling me I missed the game Friday and I could have watched? Yeah. I didn't know that. And you still can go back and watch it now or whatever it may be. Uh, I think it's it's a great thing, and it's very innovative. It's something not a lot of people are doing, and it's good to see them be on the, the, the front edge, cutting edge of that. You know what? We'll make sure we share that link on our One More Round Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I know Nick's kind of looking at that that uh, our links right there. Nick, you want to give us a rundown on uh, how to follow us on social media? On Twitter, you can uh, follow us at, at one underscore more round. On Facebook, we're One More Round Studios. On Podbean, one more round dot and on YouTube you can just search one more round studios. And we are now on iTunes. If you are a iPhone user, Casey, one more big matchup in Lafouche Parish, Central Lafouche traveling to Thibodeau to take on Ed White. Give us a take on that one. Ed White's got a lot back um, with uh, Shanklin and uh, Brandon Lejean, and you know they've got a lot of their line back. But here's the thing, man. Every week, I feel like I'm saying to myself, man, well, Central Lafouche is down. They don't have Pondexter. They lost a lot of guys. But every every week, they also come back and they, they prove me wrong. They beat Assumption in their scrimmage, beat Thibodeau in the Jamboree. This is truly a pick em game, and I think it's going to be a good tool for both teams to measure where exactly they rank. Um, but it's interesting. I got I got a story there or, or something that I would like to bounce off of you guys here sort of to cap this segment. We talk prep football and it's my job to follow it. So I see a bunch of games. Um, what is the most memorable prep football memory that you guys have of a game you played in, a game you watched, 
whatever it may be. I got a really good one. What are, what's the most memorable prep football moment you guys have? Okay, as a kid, um, I, I believe it was Lance Reynolds. It was a Jamboree game. I, I think we were going. playing Sarah Reed, yep. and he knocked down like a 50-yard field goal. On the horn. And as a kid, I, I must have been, you know, maybe early teenage years, maybe a little bit younger. I thought that was amazing. And then uh, also – as an adult in 2009, pretty much that whole 2009 season with uh, Rusty Bourne, pretty much having one of the best seasons any solid foods running back has ever had. That was to me that that's two things that stick out in my in my mind. Matt, uh, yeah, I'm not as old, so I, I don't remember the oh, glory days bruh. of solid foods. But yeah, definitely in recent memory was uh, Rusty is definitely again one of the, one of the best guys that's been through that program. Um, and as well as I believe it was 2011 or 12 undefeated season, um, that whole season was pretty good. Um, that was definitely a great moment for South Lafourche football. Nick? Yeah, y'all kind of stole my answer. I, I don't like agreeing with y'all too much, but um, <laughs> the, the Rusty Bourne years, those those were excellent. Um, Seth um, Griffin years, was that yeah. at the yeah, same point? Yeah, we, we pretty much went to every single game, never missed at that point, home and away. And that that was just fun to watch those guys. I still think it. Jason Lasang, Justin Lasang, uh, Jason Lasang. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that works at the hospital. I still think in 09 we went to Westgate to play that playoff, the second round playoff game. If they don't call Rusty Bourne out of bounds on that, Look that opening drive, I think it's a different game. Here's the okay. I was in college still for the 09 ride, so I missed a lot of it. But I remember going to the Central Lafouche game in the regular season, the game over there, the whiteout. And I remember showing up there, and look, I knew that this team was over with the community and everything, but I show up there, we get there kind of late, and I see nothing but white people, you know, the white shirts in the Central Lafouche stands. It was unbelievable. And then the, the Rusty Bourne takes the run early in the game, scores, everybody's going bananas. I was like, man, this is awesome. So the following week, play Central Lafouche at home, playoff game, get the win. I traveled out to Westgate the next week. Once I saw the following that team had once, I was hooked. I was going to every game the rest of the season. I remember being in uh, John L. Gidry Stadium for the only law, well, the only regular season loss that year, and that was that was a crazy game to take your only defeat in. So here's my story: is I was a class of 2005 senior. We were terrible in the 2004 football season. That was uh, Tommy Jusclair's first season as head coach, and we were running triple option. It was as you would expect that transition to go. Um, it was not going well. They didn't have the personnel to run it. So season starts off bad. They're 2-7 and seven going into the last game against East St. John, quarterbacked by Ryan Paraloo. All week long, man, the seniors on the team, man, shit, you know, we got to play Ryan Paraloo our last game in high school. We're going to get crushed. Lo and behold, 39-36, to 36, South Lafouche beats East St. John. Kevin Gidger ran for like 300-something yards that night. Thomas Bruce ran for like 160 yards that night. The quarterback, Ryan Pete, ran for like 80, 90 yards. South Lafouche had 600 yards of total offense. Somehow, someway, they beat East St. John that night. I remember listening to that game on the radio, and I had the the whole – I was the hype around – I heard the whole hype around Ryan Perry. I wanted to go to Tarpon more that night, but I just didn't make it. He was unbelievable. And, you know, his biggest fault on that night was – Tarpons would go down the field and 14-play drive and score. East St. John would get the ball two plays. They were in the end zone. By the end of the game, their defense was on IVs. They could football coaches and everything to keep the guest line rolling. So good night, guys. One more round studio production.
Just a friend.